back in 2009, I got to be here for, oh my gosh, hi. Sorry. Um, sorry. Uh, just beautiful people that I haven't seen in a while. Um, and so it's just beautiful coming back. I almost just want to cry because um, <laughs> it's just such a gift to be here. Like, you know, where the first place that you met Christ. You know, it's like, it's just, it's just so wonderful. Um, I also feel a little bit old, but uh, <laughs> um, so I'm just grateful to God for my journey. Um, you know, Father Andrew really helped me, and after college, I discerned to do focus. And Father Andrew hadn't even heard about it. His brother heard about it, and I told Father Andrew I wanted to be a missionary. And he's like, yeah, my brother knows about this thing. You want to check it out? And I was like, uh, I guess so. Do you know anybody that's done it? He's like, not really. Just, like, look at it. I think you'd be good at it. And I was like, okay, that gives me great support and <laughs> feeling like I know what this is. But he encouraged me. I applied. I was the only, like, southern person there besides another girl from Alabama. So I was the first gr missionary from Louisiana, um, from the south, really. Um, so there was another girl from Auburn, and we clicked, and I was the loud, like, touchy-feely girl, and I made all the northerners feel uncomfortable. Um, but it was like, it was like I felt like I was a part of something new. And I had no idea that my journey at Christ the King was the same way. <laughs> we used to have these nights. We called them, um, Nika reminded me, what was it, Arise? Alive. I kept thinking it was Arise. We called it Alive. And when I tell you, it was in the church across the street, <laughs> right there. And uh, we had maybe 10 people. I mean, it was 10 people. At most, we had 20. So I just want to look at all of you right now and tell you that you are an answered prayer. Like you are a literal answer to a prayer that I prayed so fervently. Like because I truly believe like LSU is so ripe for the harvest. Most of the people come from New Orleans, which is a big Catholic culture, and then they come to college, and they're like, yay, I can do whatever I want, right? And that doesn't involve Jesus. And they forget about him. <laughs> and so there were 10 of us, and we remembered him, and we prayed, and we grew in our faith, and we were like the 11. And I remember my senior year, um, once I was introduced to Focus, and once we were introduced to like Texas A&M had this like rocking Catholic center where they had like classes you could go to and all these things. And I was like so jealous of them because they had like 300 people going to their events. And here we are with our 10, same 10 people like, you know, coming. And so we, we I can even show you the Facebook group. It was called A New Pentecost at Christ the King. And we prayed and we fasted my senior year, that God would bring about a new Pentecost, that his Holy Spirit would come upon this place and bring about a renewal. And when I tell you, like, walking in here and seeing, like, all of you here, so many people here, like, my prayer's been answered. That's incredible. So before I even tell you about my journey, I just want to thank you because your yes Right, is, is God's, God's response to prayer, that like you're here and you're willing and you're open and you've chosen that with your college career, right, you're not going to forget about Christ, that you're going to choose to be with him, choose to develop that relationship. And that's really what I want, where I want to start is 
the choices that we make. I remember in high school, my senior year, and in college, I was always so overwhelmed with choices. Because at your age, you just have to make a lot of them. What do I want to major in? What do I want to eat for breakfast? Because my mom didn't make it for me. Um, Where am I going to do my laundry? Because that laundry has been in there for a week. Yuck, right? Where am I going to, whatever it is. There's so many decisions, right? And not only do you have so many decisions, but now you have so much freedom. I could sleep till noon. And I could sleep through my class and nobody would know right? Like I could eat Chick-fil-A every day for two weeks and only I would know, right? Like, like it's like, it's like these, these, these freedoms, these time, you know, um, and, and some of that, some of that is so liberating, right? That you get to like finally choose your schedule. You get to finally like choose how you spend your time, right? And the idea behind this is, is that you've been given before you came to college, all of the knowledge, all the formation to now make good decisions. But I don't know about you, I don't know if I was given all the (laughs) important formation to make the best decisions, right? So those decisions overwhelmed me. Even the decision to come to LSU, I didn't want to come. I wanted to get away from all my high school friends that were causing me to do bad things, and I knew they were all coming to LSU, and I was like, I want to get away from them, but my parents forced me, and I cried the whole first week I was here, <laughs> right? So I didn't want to make the decision to come to LSU, and I thought I ruined my whole life. But then I realized, like, I, I was in the quad, and I was like, I had to go to a class, and I didn't want to go because I didn't want to be here. And I'm just sitting there curled up in a ball behind one of those benches, and I'm just crying. And then I, like, I just, it was a Holy Spirit. I wouldn't have called it that then. I realized, like, I had a choice, like the power of choice. I had a choice to do something. I couldn't help that I was here, but I had a choice to make it what I wanted it to be. So you know what I decided to do? I decided to go to Christ the King. (laughs) And I walked in, and I I didn't know anyone. (laughs) And then I met this really, really outgoing guy that scared me, Um, but then he was eventually really nice and eventually became one of my best friends, Um, realized that we were the same major. We we eventually took almost all of our classes together. So I ended up making that choice to come here. Now, it was, you know, eventually, like, it was so small, there wasn't very many people here. Most people came for free lunch because, yeah, who's going to come for free lunch? I mean, the only time I saw this room filled was for free lunch, right? It was after that, it was like, not filled at all. <laughs> it was the same people over and over and over again, right? So I made that decision to come here, and I'm so grateful because I feel like God just revealed to me the power of choice, that we don't have to feel weighed down by our choices, that God is with us in our choices. And I really felt called to speak tonight about this big word, discernment. You know, what does it mean to, to know what God wants me to do? Because most of you here, you're seeking the Lord, and you want to know what he wants of you. And so you're like, I used to call it my bus. Jesus, just give me the bus that walks by with my face on it that says, Katie, do this. And I'm like, just bring it, because I love you, and I will do it. Just bring the 
bus, right? And I feel like so many of my prayers were like, just bring the bus, Jesus. Like, just, just tell me and I'll do it, right? And I just would get so frustrated. And I felt like trying to find God's will was like a scavenger hunt. And God was behind the glass window and he's watching me and he's like, ha you missed that one. Like, oh, I hope she finds that one, right? Or like the Easter egg hunt where you would search for the eggs and you'd be so excited because you found so many, but then you looked back in your basket and your brother had stolen all of them, right? It's like, like God is like withholding something from you. Like it's like this search that we have to go on. And it's this marked out path that we have to find, like those COVID stickers that you have to stand on them, right? That that's what discernment and that's what our call is. Or we have the other side of discernment. Well, you can just do whatever you want, right? You can just create yourself, right? That you get to decide who you want to be. That doesn't sound good to me. I'd rather the stickers. That sounds like a lot of pressure. <laughs> I don't want to figure out who I am. I don't know who I am. Like, can you just tell me? Like, right? But some, right, a lot of us like that, like that control. I get to decide, right? But that's not it either, right? God has created you for a purpose. You are uniquely you, and you have a specific call from God. So you don't have to create yourself. What you have to do is in the middle, and this is the glorious, beautiful part. You get to co-create your life with God. That's discernment. That's your journey. You don't have to be on a scavenger hunt where God's trying to trick you, and you don't have to create it yourself. You get to co-create your life with God, right? And that's an adventure, right? That's a beautiful journey where God takes into consideration your, your dreams. He takes into consideration what you like and what you don't like. Again, sometimes we feel like when God asks us to do something, he's just going to make me something different, right? I didn't want to become faithful in my faith, a faithful Catholic, because I thought I'd become boring. I'm legitimately, I'm legitimately serious. I'm like, God, I don't want to do that. I want to be... I want to be me, and I thought he would kill me, but really what I've realized is in co-creating my life with God, I get to be more me, right? I get to be more alive, right? And it's not this boring plan, right? And what's beautiful about that too is that discernment is not, and my amazing husband said this to me, um, discernment is not simply figuring out what God wants, but discernment is encountering who God is. <laughs> I don't know if that was a mic drop moment or you just dropped your water bottle. Um, <laughs> discernment is not simply figuring out what God wants, but discernment is encountering who God is. And I remember one night, so a little bit about my story um, I didn't, I've never dated, I didn't date anyone all the way till college. And, um, you know, I thought I was a pretty great, fun person, but, you know, it just never happened. So I thought that, you know, when I came to college, I, you know, prayed a lot. And I was like, you know, I guess I'm just supposed to be in religious life. I mean, I pray a lot. I love Jesus. 
but like no one wants to date me. What's their deal, right? So I just thought I was supposed to be in religious life. Well, there was this guy I liked, and there was this one girl who dated everybody, and she started dating him, and I was like, well, great. It's never going to happen, whatever. So I go into the, the, so Jesus used to be in the side over here by where the glass windows are, and I remember just being so frustrated because I was like, that moment where I was like, God, just tell me. Tell me what you want me to do. And I literally, I yelled at him and I said, I am going to sit here until you tell me. So it was probably maybe like 7, 8 o'clock. And I sat there and I sat there and I sat there fuming and I sat there crying and I sat there. And then the dude that lived here who closes up the church at midnight was like, you got to leave. And I'm like, I'm not leaving. I told him I'm staying. And he's like, I'm sorry, but, like, I have to lock the building. And I'm, like, you know, fuming. And he's like, well, why don't you just go to Divine Mercy and just go to Adoration Chapel there? I was like, you're, you're right. I'm going to go there, and I'm going to just I'm gonna sit, and I'm going to force him, right? And so I did. I went to Divine Mercy. Is this still Divine Mercy, like the chapel with the really comfy chairs? Mercy. Yeah, is it just Mercy? Our Lady of Mercy. Yeah, yeah, there we go. So really comfy chairs. You're bound to fall asleep. So I go in. I sit there, and I'm the same thing. I'm fuming. And eventually, I think my posture kind of leans, and I just, like, I fall asleep. And I wake up around 4 in the morning. I don't know how many people have been there, and I'm, like, you know, asleep on the chapel. And I wake up at 4 in the morning, and I'm, like, I'm so peaceful. And I was, like, what did you do? (laughs) And I'm, like, so peaceful, and I'm so happy, and, like, I leave because I'm like, I've been here at four in the morning. My poor, where, my, my roommates are probably like, where is she? So I go back home and I go to sleep and I wake up in the morning with like the same peace. And I was like, what happened there? He didn't tell me, right? And believe me, I wrestled with this question for years after college when I was a missionary, right? I'm happily married now with two children, right? But it was something that, that, that I realized that night, and I can look back on now, that what God wanted he, t- is to not tell me what he wanted me to do. He wanted me to be with him. Like, he just wanted me to be with him. That we can make it so much about the other stuff, right? What do you want me to do? What are you calling me? What's my vocation, right? That we forget about the God who gives us our vocation. That, like, I can tell you, being married, it's amazing, but it's not my fulfillment. If I had not learned everything I learned where you're sitting right now about prayer, about virtue, then I would not be happy in my life right now because Christ wouldn't be the reason, right? So, again, it's about encountering God and who he is and, um, yeah, and what he can do for you, right? And that he just wants to be with you, right? Like that, again, we can't make it about anything else but him. And wherever you are in this room in your own relationship, um, like that God desires for you to just go a little deeper, right? Like just to go a little bit deeper, like a little bit more um, present, right? And my students will tell you, like, this is, this is, this is something I'm so passionate about being present. Because so much of our modern culture, we're not present. What are we doing? I mean, we're on our phones. 
We're thinking about what we're going to eat for lunch. That's usually what I'm thinking about. We're, or, we're you know, we're, we're planning our next event, right? We're, we're thinking about the tests we have to do, right? We are rarely present. But God is most present to us in our present moment. God is not present to you in five minutes. Well, he will be. But he's most present to you right now. Right now. Right? He will encounter you right now. So this is what we do. We're like, okay, well, maybe this is what my mom says, who has no faith. Like my mom's like 70, and she's, I'm like, mom, why don't you love Jesus? And she's like, no, I'm too old for faith. I'm like, no. <laughs> right? Like, like now is the moment, right? He is so present to you now, like so present in your present moment. And the problem is, I think, too, is we don't feel worthy. Like maybe we have not been present to God like we think we should be. Or maybe we're not following or being the kind of person we think we should be, right? And we're not, quote, unquote, perfect, right? I love Mardi Gras. Love it. My husband and I met during Mardi Gras. We got engaged during Mardi Gras. And you want to know why I love Mardi Gras? It's because everybody is on the street together, homeless people, rich people, young people, old people. And I look around, and I'm walking, and I'm like, this is what church should be. <laughs> like in my heart, I'm like, I'm like so happy and I'm so sad at the same time. Because so many people don't feel welcome. So many people don't feel like it's their home. But that's where they should be, right? Like we don't have to be perfect to come to God. It's the opposite. God is the one that makes us like him, Right? If we're trying to get a suntan, right, we're going to go in front of the sun, right? And so, and my favorite thing I like to say is God does not want us to be perfect. All he desires is for us to be perfectly open. And I really struggle with this, especially at your age, just with my own sinfulness. And honestly, like even then, things going on in the church. And I remember going to a World Youth Day. And I'll By the way, somebody tell me when I'm talking too long. I mean, I could talk all night. So just somebody wave to me, like, when I need to stop. Okay. So um, World Youth Day in Australia. Don't know what World Youth Day is. It's like a big, you know, everyone, youth from the church. St. John Paul II started it. It's amazing. I saved, I worked three jobs, and I saved up all my money so I could go. Um, and I'm, like, expecting this, like, epic event. <laughs> We go to Mass the first night, and it's with other countries. And we're, like, way in the back because we were late and we got lost on the bus system. And, like, we're trying to reverently engage into Mass. And, like, there's, like, a couple over here, like, I guess I can be frank. Like, one was making out, and these people were smoking weed. And I was like, where am I? Am I at, like, Voodoo Fest right now? Like, this is not what I imagined World Youth Day to be, okay? So I was, like, so discouraged because then for communion, they're not in America, so they don't go in an orderly line. They all run. And somebody bum-rushed me, and I fell down, and I couldn't even get to the Eucharist. Like, I was so discouraged. Like, I'm like, is this what our youth is? You know, like, just like an old grandma, like, is this what our youth is, Right. And I was so upset. And then the next day we went, and it was just like not what we thought. And we're all just sitting in a circle, like just sad. Like, 
Like we came to be alive because there's only 10 of us literally in the seat at Christ the King. So like we need to see that other people care about this stuff, right? <laughs> and so the next day we'd go to these catechesises, which is at like a parish. And um, I remember being really struck by something the priest said about like our sinfulness and God's mercy. But I just remember sitting there and like being so nervous to go to confession. Like because I just felt, I always was so nervous because I just felt like, I, like God just didn't want to see me. Like, he just didn't want to see all the things I've done. And, like, I just was, it, it's just that vulnerability that it takes to go to confession. Like, and I know I needed to go because not only was I struck in that moment by, like, the church and, like, gosh, it's not what I thought. <laughs> Myself, like, gosh, I'm not who I thought. Like, I'm at this great World Youth Day, but I'm not great, right? And so I'm like, okay, you can go to confession. It'll probably be a foreign priest that maybe doesn't even speak English. Like, it'll be fine. So I get in line. I'm so nervous. I'm going through all my sins. And then I get into the confessional. And guess what? It was an American priest who I knew, right? How my brother's a priest, so I knew a lot of priests. Um, And so I was like, great. Well, he didn't know me, which was awesome, but I knew him, which made me nervous, right? And so I get in, I'm so nervous, and I'm about to cry, and I'm fidgeting. And he looks at me with this intense face, and he's got these beautiful blue eyes. He looks at me straight in the face. He goes, my daughter, tell me everything. And I start crying, and I do, like, the ugly cry at first. And he's like, he's like, be at peace, like Christ is with you. And so... Uh, I tell him everything. I literally tell him everything. I do a general confession. I tell him every sin I committed, every single one. And then at the end, he just listened patiently, and he didn't give me any advice. So in the Eastern Rite of the Catholic Church, when you um, uh, confess your sins, they put their cloak, they have a cloak, and they put it over you, and it's supposed to represent the, the cloak of Christ covering you in his mercy. Well, this priest didn't have a cloak, But he put his arm, I can't even describe it, but, like, he cloaked my head like this. I guess that's the best way to say it. And he came close to my ear, which is is not COVID-friendly, but he came close to my ear, and he spoke the words of absolution, right, into my ear. And then he says, your sins have been forgiven. And when I tell you, I have never felt a weight lifted off my heart than in that moment. And he, and he looked at me, and he's like, this Christ is always here. Like, it doesn't matter how many times you fall. He's always here, right? So it was just this invitation to God who is generous. And this is the, the message I want to leave you with. A lot of times we can think that God is withholding things from us, that he is Um, somebody we have to figure out, a mystery we have to uncover. You know, maybe you don't have a faith life like someone else and you really want to know what it is, right? What I want to tell you about God is that God is a generous God. That essentially discerning your life and what God wants you to do is a discovery in the generosity of God. That he will abundantly bless you when you come to him. It doesn't mean that good things aren't going to, or bad things aren't going to happen to you, right? My senior year, I was diagnosed with diabetes, and my life was crushed, right? But diabetes has been my, like, like avenue to God's grace, right? And so many moments I can point to after that, 
that we might think God is like, you know, why me? Why did this happen to me, right? But that is an opportunity to encounter him who has so much to give you. And so don't get distracted by everything else, right? The voices that are around you saying, do something else. Get the job that's really successful to make a ton of money. I mean, maybe that's what God wants you to do, but, right? Like, do what makes you come alive and see where God is in it. In it. Like, see where he is. Look for him. It says in the catechism that God first thirsts for us. So any longing that we have, God has it all the more to just be with us. So if it's okay, are we, can, I, can I pray? Are we ready to? Okay. Um, so I just invite you to just close your eyes. If you, if you feel comfortable to open your hands, um, it's just a sign of openness to God to just open your hands. Um, that just as we today share, as, as brothers and sisters, we share in this message from God of his beautiful generosity. I just pray that whatever is in your heart that might be keeping you from receiving God's gifts, that you just allow the Lord to come there. And remember that his mercy is so gentle. That priest's face looking me in the eyes and saying, tell me everything was so gentle. His mercy, it might burn at first, but then it becomes a slow warmth. And just know that God has so much he desires to give you, most of all, the gift of his love. And that all he asks of you is to be open. So, Lord God, we just ask that you come down with your power and your, the gift of your Holy Spirit to be present in each of the hearts of these men and women who you live within, who you dwell within, that that life that lives within them, Lord, you could bring alive again. And Mother Mary, I just ask that as our mother, you help us to gently come to Christ with whatever wherever we are, because again, Christ desires our present moment, not where we were, not where we will be, but where we are today. I mean, maybe we're tired, maybe we're sad, maybe we're joyful. Whatever it is, bring it to to Christ. Bring it to the God who is waiting for you. You've been listening to our podcast here at Christ the King on LSU's campus. If you want to continue to support the ministries that we are doing for the salvation of souls in this land, then I want to encourage you to check out our website, www.ctklsu.org. And when you go on that website, you can see the works that we're doing, and you can also find ways to pray for us and financially support us through our golden givers. Thank you so much. God bless.